Hi, this is Kaninika. This is Pooja. And we are here today to talk about dance. dance. I'm sure you guys are like, what? Aren't you supposed to dance to dance? But this podcast is for dancers and non-dancers alike. Yes. Stay tuned and we promise to make this series an interesting one. Kani, would you say your husband has two left feet? I know mine does. I mean, here I am, a performing artist, and he doesn't even shake a leg. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> the problem is, people think dance is for dancers. But look around us. There is dance in everything. Even the most seemingly mundane activity has some sort of rhythm to it. True that. Our heart beats to waves crashing on the seashore, from the sunrise to the sunset. Everything functions on a rhythm like a well-choreographed piece, a beautiful mise-en-scene. <laughs> That's so poetic. And these everyday events sometimes make us want to get up and dance and joy. And they even sometimes become an inspiration for a performance. For instance, from traditional dance forms to avant-gardists, they've all used dance as a medium to tell stories mm -hmm. and bring forth contemporary issues. Be it women empowerment or save nature, human rights and many more contemporary subjects. Absolutely. The problem though is when it comes to classical dance forms, particularly the Indian classical dance mm -hmm. forms, mm -hmm. the audiences have somehow drifted away. Perhaps uh, owing to lack of understanding. I had a friend who once said it's lovely and it's beautiful and all that, but I can't decipher what's going on. In today's day and age, Digital mediums are constantly bombarding us with audio and visuals. Everything is expressed in words. Like, it's also verbose. Somehow we have drifted away from our non-verbal communication, which is reducing our ability of creative visualization. Mm -hmm. I think as dancers, we need to make an effort to reach out to our audiences, inform them, engage with them, and bring them back to the auditoriums. Couldn't agree more. Dance allows us to express what words cannot. But there are elements that are abstract, there are symbolic elements mm -hmm. and have a specific syntax that they have to adhere to. They distinguish one dance form from the other. Just a small exercise for our listeners. I think this would be interesting. So the way we walk around, make hand gestures are not that different from how we communicate in day-to-day -day life. When these gestures are stylized and enhanced aesthetically, they become part of a dance. Take a moment to imagine how would you use your hand to non-verbally communicate when wanting to inquire or ask a question like what, where, why. Often in most of India, we do see people use a hand gesture to do the same with fingers spread out resembling a flower. That's exactly how it's expressed in Indian classical dance as well. It's called Alapadma. The reason for a podcast like this is to create some sort of awareness within the viewer so that they can understand the nuances of the dance performance and savor it in its true sense. There is often a time crunch during a performance. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of ground can be covered to explain every detail of the technique or the narrative. We're hopeful that this effort will help us enhance visualization amongst our audiences and convert that contextualized experience of savoring a dance performance. So coming back to what you were saying, Pooja, about non-verbal communication, I feel if we are mindful of our movements in day-to-day -day life 
and how we express ourselves to emote simple things like approvals or disapprovals, to say stop or a yes, come here, keep quiet, displeasure, joy, and so on and so forth by the use of our facial expressions, hand gestures, body language, subtle movements. I think one would realize that dance is really within us. And Kani, let's not forget, the cosmic activity is after all the central idea of Indian classical dance. It's so beautifully represented in the dancing Shiva called the Nataraja, whom we dancers revere so much. I highly recommend our listeners to visit the ancient temples of South India which have beautiful carvings of dancing Shiva. Or they could also go and visit it at the CERN. Yes. This deity was chosen by the Indian government because of a metaphor that was drawn between the cosmic dance of the Natraj and the modern study of the cosmic dance of the subatomic particles. In Kapra's words, the metaphor of cosmic dance unifies ancient mythology, religious art and modern physics. Absolutely. For the modern physicists then, Shiva's dance is the dance of subatomic matter, the basis of all existence and of all natural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So, Kani, I am hopeful. In me to- too, me too. Yeah. <laughs> In today's age of technology, from emoticons to podcasts, I hope this gap can be bridged and we can traverse back to our traditional dance forms. Fingers crossed. To quote Khalil Gibran, and forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet and the winds long to play with your hair. We will be back with lots more interesting material and trivia on Indian classical dance. We promise to make it interesting. Hope to see you soon in the next episode. Namaste. Namaste.